it's kind of interesting how sermons develop. I hope you're always praying for us to know what to preach. And so uh, an unusual thing happened to me this week where the sermon is coming from. I listened to Al Moeller. I listened to him five days a week on the briefing and uh, get my walk-in, too. I put my phone in my pocket and get a half-an-hour walk-in while listening to him. And he mentioned a book uh, that some lady had written that got me on this subject today. So I'm going to give you the title of my sermon, but God's also been working on me this morning to make some alterations or maybe some additions to it. But I'm going to preach on the subject of the bullseye on the devil's target. That's the family. The bullseye on the devil's target. That's the family. When I first began to preach a long time ago, I used to preach on the family all the time. And I'm glad I did. God just put that on my heart. And I do every now and then. And I really appreciate the preaching Isaac's been doing lately. I think some of it's been profound. I don't brag on him, but I've tried to even get, do some writing on the womanhood and manhood and the family itself. So I'm not going to be, uh, I may repeat a few things. He said, I don't know about that. But before uh, I get on to that, let me tell you what the Lord put on my heart this morning. You know what? The church is a family. So I want to talk about that first before I get to what I was going to talk about. And I also know that not every family is perfect. And there's some broken families and broken homes. And so nobody should despair. Uh, you know, when you even have an imperfect family, all of our families are imperfect to some extent. But God can do great things even in imperfect families. One of the greatest preachers in the history of the world was Timothy, Paul's favorite preacher. He came from not a broken home, but a divided home. So that ought to give us some encouragement. I won't go into all the proof of that, but his daddy was a Greek. Didn't even want Timothy to get circumcised. But we know that Timothy was raised by his mother, Eunice, by his grandmother, uh, Lois. Uh, they had a great effect on him. So do the best you can in whatever situation you're in and don't despair. I hope today that every marriage here is strengthened. And I want everybody to listen. And one thing that I feel good about today, I don't think anybody here that will disagree with anything I say. That's an amazing thing where we live in. Because I guarantee you a lot of people will strongly disagree with almost everything I'm going to say today in the world. Almost all the movers and the shakers. I don't think anybody here will disagree. I hope I can strengthen families that are already here and uh, finish strong. And also you young people need to be listening because some of you are just newly married, but some of you hope to get married. And I hope you'll listen to what I have to say. But I want to talk first of all on the church being a family. You know, the church is a family. It's a wonderful thing. And let me read you some scriptures that kind of touched my heart. <coughs> Excuse me, from uh, uh, Psalm 68. Uh, I'm going to read verse uh, 4 and 5, I believe it is. Because we have some people here who don't even have many families. Some people just almost live by themselves or do live by themselves. We have widows and stuff like that. But I love verse 4 and 5 of Psalm 68. Sing it to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name Yah, which is really Jehovah, and rejoice before him. Now get this, a father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. And I love this verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the, uh, the rebellious dwelleth in a dry land. God sets the solitude and the, the, the followers in, in the family. Isn't that great? This is a church family. This is a church family. And the Bible makes that plain. And we have a good family here. I want it to be even a better family. Families have to be here for each other. Families support each other. Here's some, some reason I know the church uh, is, is a family. 
You know what a pastor is in the Bible? He's not a CEO. He is not a general. He's a father. That's one of the qualifications. He's going to be a fatherly, father figure. Because it says, Timothy said, uh, if a man don't know how to take care of his own house, rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So the, 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 church, the pastor is kind of like a daddy, really. I'm kind of like an old granddaddy. <laughs> and you know what you are? You're brothers and sisters, aren't you? Your brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible says that. Rebuke not an elder and treat him as a father. The younger men is brethren. The elder women is mothers. The younger is sisters with all purity. We're a family. We're a family. And I want to be here for each other. Now I've got a song. It's a tearjerker. Uh, we always sing this song when we have a new addition to our family. Either a baby born or more often when one of our kids or grandkids. Well, our grandkids are not married yet. I'm trying to get them married if I can have some great-grandkids. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, we sing this, and it's, a, it's always a tearjerker. And we mean that. We want to welcome people in the family. Well, that's, that's what the church has got to do. We're a family. Let me read this to you. It's kind of a tearjerker. Uh, welcome to the family. We're glad that you have come to share your life with us. As we grow in love, and may we always be to you what God would have us be. This has got some great tone to it. A family always there to be strong, to lean on. Maybe learn to love each other more each new day. May words of love on our lips in, in, in everything we say. May the Spirit melt our hearts with, uh, and teach us how to pray that we may be a true family. Boy, that's a turkey jerker. All my family here know we've been singing that song, and I usually had to break down and cry and let them sing it, but it's a great. We welcome people in the family. And my friends, when Grace Chapel has new people added, they'd be welcomed to the family and find support here in the family. Let's, let this be a family-oriented church. Now, but I want to talk now on some serious stuff about the family uh, the nuclear family is under attack. The devil has always hated the family. Listen, what's the first social institution that was established on the face of this earth? It's not the church. and even civil government. It's a family. Isaac made that plain. The family is the first thing that God made in the Garden of Eden. And the devil hates it. The family is the basic social and economic unit in any country. It is. The Marxists hate it. I'm going to read you something about what Karl Marx said about family later on. And we have a world and a government Filled with Marxist ideas. As you well know, there's all kinds of the enemies of the family. And we have good families here at Great Chapel. Listen, folks, you may not realize this. Some of you may be more exposed to the world than I am. We are in a subculture. In a subculture. Because we, have, we believe in the glorious Bible idea of the family. But I'm telling you, there's all kinds of propaganda against it. All kinds of propaganda against it. I read something last night that made my blood boil. Some propaganda against God's design of a family is a, a daddy and a mama, and a man and a woman, obviously a daddy and a mama, and children, my friend. That's the family. That's what God's established in the Garden of Eden, which I've been talking about that. I'll read it to you also. Now, let me just make a few things here. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes. I don't want a lot of notes. I really got a lot of scriptures I want to read. This is going to be really basic. You won't really learn anything new today, I don't think. But I hope you'll have something accented, and you'll be dedicated to this. So first of all, let me just tell you what. God designed the families. I've always said the first social unit. It's the first social unit. God intended kids to be raised in families. 
And the, the state would like to take the kid away from us. That's what the marketers want to do. Karl Marx even talked about the evolution of the family. They hate the family. The devil hates the family. Our present culture hates the family. They're, they're not pro-family. Pro, pro they're not child-friendly. The world's getting increasingly that way. So you need to listen to me today and be fortified. You young people listen very carefully, please. It's a picture of Christ and the church, isn't it? That's the number one thing. The family, the picture of Jesus Christ and the church. One of the best ways we can witness in this world is to be good families. You're witnessing right now, more than you realize you are. I get comments a lot of times about, I don't think I've done that great a job. I get comments that there have been some good witness come from our families, my precious friends. One of the best ways we can witness is husbands being the kind of husband they should be, wives being the kind of wife they should be, children being the kind of children they should be. That's a great witness, especially in the world we live in. You know, isn't it amazing? When you live, if there's a lot of light, if you had a flashlight, it wouldn't show up much, would it? But if it's dark, it leave a little bitty flashlight showed up. Brother and sister, we live in a dark world. Our little flashlights are going to show up really well in this world we live in. So number one, the family is designed to be a picture of Christ and the church. It's also the closest companionship on this world between husband and wife. Do you hear that, wives and husbands? The Lord designed for the closest friendship and companionship between husband and wives. I hope we can want to renew some of that today. You say, well, what about the children? Kids, I got bad news for you. You're not as close as your mom and daddy are. You shouldn't be. Kids are temporary. We're glad they're temporary. I'm glad my kids, I love all my kids. I hate it when they left it away. But I'm glad they're not in the home right now. Because Mercy is, I think, 30, I think. She's the youngest. It'd be bad Hannah still around, over 50, wouldn't it? Um, we want to get, we want to, we love them. And you better love them while they're here. I'll tell you, they go up before you think they will. Enjoy every moment of it, every bit of it, folks. I'm with old Isaac. Let those kids cry, have a big old time coming to church. Not going to bother us. Uh, we just do the best we can. Sometimes you can't even hear a sermon. Even Noah lady had not been able to hear a sermon unless he's having to take care of old Oscar. But he, he's still in church. He's where he ought to be. This a family's a wonderful thing indeed. So, but husband and wife, let me tell you husband and wife, you've got to be your best friend with each other. I'll read you something about that in a minute. That's what God designed for you to be. God designed marriage for procreation. He money designed it for fellowship. Because some families are not even blessed to have children. But they're still a complete family. We need to love each other with amazing love. Listen, the only one flesh relationship in this world between, not between husband and wife, I mean, the, the, the wife and kids, is the husband and wife. I've told you about that song before. I like that song that Steve and Annie Chapman sang, this kind of Christian folk singers. And they had this song, it's an amazing song, and the title is, Who Are You? You ought to get that sometime on YouTube, it's really worth, worth listening to. And it's a picture of a, a man and a woman, they've grown old, they've raised kids, and so the last kid leaves. But the husband and wife have not really been working on the relationship. Because if that happens easy, doesn't it? You know how busy you are. As busy as you are, you still need to cultivate. Even, and you kids need to help your mamas and daddies cooperate. Let them spend some time together. Don't dominate all their time. They need to spend time together. Anyway, the old man finally, the, the, the last kid leaves. The old man goes out and does something in the yard. Probably doing, working out there in the yard. The, the woman's in the house. She's doing the, some housework. It's finally bedtime. They go to sleep. And then the wife doesn't go to sleep yet. She looks over her husband, and the song is, Who Are You? Now, that can happen to us. We can become strangers to each other. I had a defining moment in my marriage one time. We've got a good marriage, you well know, and I thank God for that. Uh, we've married for better or for worse. Judy got the worse. I got the better. And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the God's truth. He knows, by my old man, you say, that's God's truth. That is God's truth. Anyway, though, 
you know, we were raising all these kids. And I've taken all of our time like yours are. And so we go to uh, up at uh, Mountain View up there. And we went to a bed and breakfast, had a great time at Anderson House. And so we go out by the Red River up there. And we laid a quilt out there and had a tape player or something like to play some songs. And you know what we did? It's, it's, it's supernatural. I still remember. We, got, we got reconnected. We got reconnected. Man, this wonderful person that I see every day and help me, had kids with me, raised these kids. But we had got where we weren't connected anymore. We got connected. What a wonderful moment that was. You need to have those moments, my friend, where you go and get reconnected. Okay? All right. Also, the, that's where procreation and the training of children. Children should be trained in families. The state does not want you to train your own kids. The state wants to take the kid away from you one way or another. That's one reason we'll have this early childhood education. Get the kid out of the home as soon as you can. And they hate homeschooling and stuff like that. Because the place that God designed for children to be raised is in the home. That's Bible. Now let's read a few scriptures. Y'all pray for me now. I, I can't take the, you know, three or three hours. But I want, to, I want it to sink in. What's my topic? The bullseye on the devil's target is the family. Let's read some things from the Bible. This is Bible truth. I already read some of this not too long ago. I want to go to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, chapter 1, first of all. Let's read verse 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man. That's the Trinity speaking there. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that uh, creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, what's the first command God gave mankind? What's the be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. My friend, children are always a blessing. Who's, who's our family pet, my friend? It's Rebecca's little baby that's got the Down syndrome. We all love all of our grandkids. She's the family pet. That ought to be. Every life born in our families is a mighty blessing of God Almighty, my friend. Let's not forget that. We are pro-family because God's pro-family. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's what he said to do. Now, let's also go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 and read a few verses. I've done this, done a great job on this. I'm not trying to duplicate him, but this is, I'm going to just go ahead and add to what he had to say. Let's look at this wonderful, wonderful foundational principles Set forth here in the book of Genesis. And the Lord God said, it is not good the man should be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. Now, sometimes God does give the gift of, of being single. He makes that plain, but it's pretty rare. It's, one, it's, it's not wrong to want to get married. It's a good thing. I want to get married really badly for a long time. You know, I'm a grown man. It was then. I cried my, a grown man cried myself to sleep lots of times. I got so lonesome. But what God had the best thing in the world waiting for me is Judy. She's so young, I couldn't marry her for a long time. But I, I wanted to get married bad. And that's not, that's a good desire. It's a good desire. 
But don't make an idol out of that. Let me say something off that. Don't let being married be an idol that you marry the wrong one because you're tired of waiting. You don't do that. You wait for the right one. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes girls especially will get married so badly they'll, and they say, well, my time passing by. I'm never going to get married. I'm going to be an old maid. They married the wrong time. Don't do that. You went on God Almighty to give you the right companion. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help, meet for him. A helper appropriate for him, what that means. A perfect helper. God knew what he was doing. He made male and female. You, you, you heard what I said? Male and female, he made them. We compliment each other. That's not the eyes that compliment E. We, 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 we make up, well, we're just made for each other. All right. I'm like a heifer for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl in the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called uh, every living creature, uh, that was the name thereof. Adam was a genius. I don't believe in evolution, I believe in devolution. He's a genius. Because according to the Hebrews, when you name something, you have to know what the characters of that thing were. He's an absolute genius. Now, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in devolution. And Adam had gave name to all cattle, all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there's not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs and clothed up his flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. I got kind of tickled at R.C. Sproul one time. He's the first uh, word Adam ever said. When he saw he said, Whoa, man, you're a woman. She's so pretty. Kind of way I feel about my wife. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she is taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. And though we do, a new decision-making unit is established when a man and woman come together. That we don't leave. My kids still love me. We still love them. But my friend, they left us and they cleave to their companion. I think I've told you this before, but I get tickled about this. One time I was up in, uh, new, up, up in uh, Maryland where Brother Bloyd is. And we're talking about marriage, and some old lady, the, she tickled me to death. She said, you know what? When I first got married, my husband and I got in a, sp- a spat. We'd been married maybe about a month. I called my mom and said, Mama, I'm coming home. She said, you are home and slammed the phone down. She said, she's she saved my marriage. You got to stick it out, kids. Listen, my wife and I don't even count as the word divorce. We never even thought about it. We said, that's a nasty word. That's a nasty word. God hates putting away. I know we have some people in our church who have been divorced, but God has forgiven you. And you don't like it, so you agree with what I'm saying. God hates putting away. It's in the book of Malachi. We're in for the long haul. Don't even think about splitting. If you're not getting along, learn how to get along. I like what J. Adam said one time. He said, even this is, these are missionaries, Christians, came to him and they had irreconcilable differences. And Adam said, well, they said, we got we to gotta split. Adam said, Why? So we don't love each other. So well, that's interesting. He, you got to learn to love one another. But it kind of stunned at him. 
And so they started doing some things he said do from the Bible, and they actually got to where they liked each other. They always loved each other, liked each other. So if you don't like your companions, you got to learn how to like them. you got to learn how to love them. Yeah. All right. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, they shall cleave to his wife, there shall be one flesh. I love that word cleave. Grab a hold of them, folks. Grab a hold of them physically and with your heart. Just grab a hold of them. Cleave with them. And they were both naked. This means they were open before each other. Well, learn how to be open with each other. The man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Let me say something about that one flesh relationship. That one flesh relationship talks about when we first come together in the conjugal union. But it doesn't stop there. It just starts there. I heard an old man give a talk one time. It thrilled my soul. He said, what we need to do, become more and more and more one flesh. Isn't that beautiful? As you get older, you become more and more one flesh. That we need to be more open. I hope me and Judy will get more open. We're open pretty much. I want to get more open. There's something in my heart I don't even share with her. Some fears I have and misgivings. But I need to learn how to share them with her. I need to let, get her. I need to get her ready for, for when I die, when she dies. You know what husband and wives are, my friend. We're pilgrims and strangers traveling to heaven together. Get that concept. That's wonderful, isn't it? We're heirs together of the grace of life. We're traveling to heaven together with our companions. That's a wonderful thing indeed. All right. Now, let me tell you about this book that Al Moeller mentioned. That a sociologist, she's not a Christian, but she's got some courage and she's got some common sense. Her name is Melissa Kearney. She wrote a book called The Two-Parent Privilege. The Two-Parent Privilege, a great book. And you know what? Even though it's a great book and she had great credentials, got a PhD from MIT, Teach at University of Maryland, well published. But brother, when she wrote this book, her colleagues jumped all over here. This is taboo in our culture we live in to have what I'm talking about today. I tell you, the family is hated, my friend, by the elite. By the feminists, by the elite, they hate the family. They really do. They write scholarly things against the family that you believe in and thank God for. Anyway, the point she made was the two parent privilege. I'm not going to buy the book because I've read, read the review to save me some money. I read a lot of reviews. I know what you're saying. My friend, it's been proven, even by the sociologist, that he don't believe in God. You're a whole lot, lot better off financially when you're together. The, in these single homes, these poor women raising kids by themselves, they, they're, they're, they're hurting financially, they're hurting spiritually, they're hurting culturally in every way. She gave all kind of data. My friend, so let me say you kids, I want every child here to learn to be thankful for your home. We have stable homes here. We are, they're, not, they're not trouble free. But your kids live in a stable home. You thank God for that. It's one of the most blessing, amazing blessings you'll ever have. You love your mother and daddy. You love your mother and daddy. How do you like to be raised in some home? You know, when Noah had that, the brethren basketball, sometimes he'd pick up a boy in one home and take him to another home where they hardly lived. We have a great percentage of our country that my friend, that's even the sociologists recognize, where our greatest problem is, is these single parent homes. Not only are people getting divorced, some of them are never even getting married. People are putting marriage off way too long. I'm not saying get married tomorrow, but don't wait around here forever. You know why a lot of people wait? Because they're, they're selfish. There are a lot of young men not growing up. They, they, they're, they're adolescents, really. And they won't grow up. They won't play. They, 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 so, well, some people who are making a lot of money, some young men, a lot of them, and they have much disposable income, and they want to have a lot of fun playing computer games, goofing off, taking vacations. They don't want the responsibility of marriage. My friend, there's a lot of responsibility in marriage. I want you young men to even right now think about getting ready for marriage. 
You think about, I've got to make a living for my family. I can't spend all my time goofing off. I've got to save some money. I've got to get my prepared. We have one reason why we have such a low birth rate in our country is people waiting so long to get married, the woman gets past childbearing age. We have a demographic crisis in the whole world. They're admitting that now. They're actually admitting that. China, who's that one-child policy, where they had forced abortions, wish they hadn't done it now. The fools mucking around with God, and they lost the game. They're trying. They, they're, their population is rapidly aging. You know what they got in nursing homes in Japan? They got robots taking care of people. They don't have enough people in Japan. Other cultures are going the same way. But I'm not telling you a lie. I'm telling you the truth. Yes, my friend, many countries are in demographic crisis today. China's one of them. Japan's probably worse off of America. Korea, South Korea's real bad off. Other places like that. We have selfish people. My friend, it takes a lot of money to raise kids, a lot of effort to raise kids. But it's one of the most honorable things you'll ever do is for my friend to have family. When God gives us those, one of the best ways you can serve God is have a good, stable family. All right. So, kid, and listen, daddy, let's all the way in here. Brethren, let's thank God for our wives. We have many women, and now sometimes the woman has to work. I'm not against that law. She has to work. But mainly, God designed for women to be keepers at home. That came out of the book of Titus. It's one of the most important jobs. And that word really means homemaker, believe it or not, to be a homemaker. Don't you be ashamed when they have some kind of a survey and say, put occupation, you ought to put down homemaker, and you ought to stick your chest out when you do it. I'm a homemaker. Listen, we got women in this church. My wife is one of them. She can be making a lot of money. She's such a good organizer and such a good brain. She making big bucks with some five, Fortune 500 company. But she didn't do that. She said, I'm putting my life into my husband and my children. And many of you women are doing the same thing. I might hand it off to you. Brethren, don't you ever take a woman like that for granted. You thank God. I know it's not, it'd be a good to have two incomes, you might think. But it's not worth it. It's not worth it to have two incomes. You don't have to. If you can make it, my friend, with one, make it. Boys, learn how to work like a dog to make that, the, the living for your family. Well, the wife doesn't have to work. Because, you know, she got the most important job in the world. The, the, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. My friend, that's, that's not Bible. It's almost Bible. The hand that rocks the cradle, my friend, rules this world. You're not wasting your time by pouring yourself and your children. It seems like a hopeless task sometimes. Diaper after diaper after diaper. Clean up after clean up after clean up. And when they get older, disobedience after disobedience after disobedience. You keep on at it. God will honor you for that. My friend, God honors that. Men, let's report our wives and thank God for them. And brother and wives, thank God for those husbands out there busting the, 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 the payment to make a living for the family. Kids, thank God for your daddies who are going out there working hard. Sometimes they don't even feel like going to work. They're going to work anyway. They're a responsible individual. Make a living for that family that your wife and can stay home and take care of you. A lot of these feminists brag about, oh, we can give our kids quality time, not quantity. They got a quality hour a week. How oh, big deal. Ha, ha, ha. That's, that's, that's just foolish, absolute foolishness. My friend, even when you're older, you need that mama to be there. You can talk to, and she can pray with you and help you through your problems. One of our most emotional problems comes from broken homes. I'm on my soapbox. I'm on God's soapbox, to be honest with you. And one, one, of the most, one of the primary purposes of marriage, my friends, is to pass on godly values from parents to children. Deuteronomy says that, doesn't it? Speak of these things when you're, well, let's just read it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. 
I'm glad you brought this put on my heart. That's something good to think about. And I got a church I can feel good about preaching this way. I'll preach it anyway. But my friend, I'm glad to have people who are like-minded people who want to go the Bible way. That's the only way it makes sense in the Bible way. God's the one to design a family. He knows what he's doing. God designed marriage. He knows what he's doing. The devil hates it with a, pers- with a passion. Let's look over Deuteronomy 6. And we'll read a few verses. Chapter 6. You know this. It's great. Let's recommit ourselves. I believe you're doing a pretty good job here. But I want to do even better. I really do. Wish I'd done. I did pretty good. Wish I'd done better. Too late for me now, but I can still be a good granddaddy. You grandparents can be good grandparents. Reinforce the values your children are trying to steal in their children. That's 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 why I had great in-laws. I knew when my kids went to spend the night with Tony and Patty, they'd not get a different viewpoint from life. That they'd be reinforced what I believe. Grandparents, you have a great job to do with your kids. They look up to you. They listen to old men. They've been listening to me pretty good anyway. They really do. And I thank God for that. So I got to be careful to not joke. I like to joke with them, but I, got, I can't joke all the time. I got to be serious pretty time and tell them. And I got to show them by my life, by what I teach, my friend, what I really stand for. Do your kids know what you stand for? What would you say if somebody asked your kid, what is your mom and dad's most important thing in life? I hope they'd say, loving God and serving God and being obedient to God Almighty. I hope that's what they'd say. I believe they would. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Not watching TV all the time. Not being on some device all the time. Spending some family time, my friend. Eating together and so forth. Thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by the way. When thou liest down and when thou ridest up. All the time. That will be our lifestyle. Not putting on. Just part of us because we're trying to walk with God. And thou shalt bind them of the sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, on thy gates. I love to go into people's homes. See, you got scriptures and, and, and uh, pictures and plaques and stuff like that. Anyway, that's one of the jobs we need to be doing. Now, what I'm going to do is read some scriptures. I won't read all of what I've got written here, but I'm going to go several passages, maybe three places. And I hope you'll remember these and read these. Wives, husbands, and children have distinct roles in marriage. they got distinct roles in marriage. The biblical roles, let's see what they are. Just let the Bible talk for us. I didn't make a lot of notes on this. I said, I'm just going to read the scriptures on this one. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, first of all. I know I'm covering a lot of ground, too. But I hope that you'll get some, at least get some snippets of it. And you'll do some work on this. And I'm going to be preaching on this anyway. Well, I know he will. Colossians chapter 3, let's look at that. Daddies have role, mamas have role, and kids have role in a family. I'll read three places, I guess. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, first of all. All right, let's start in verse 17 here, Colossians 3. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Then he gives specifics. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. All submission. 
you know, it's a good thing. God designed that for one protection. Now, submit does not mean, let me just tell you this. I'm going to go on record. I hope this goes out on tape. I hate the patriarchy movement. I hate it. The patriarchy movement, the husband's the big daddy. He rules like a roost. People are afraid to even breathe around him. If you're a kind of daddy, you need to repent. Does Jesus Christ put you that way? But submission, my friend, the wife realizes my husband is the head. I hope you women all realize that it's not easy to do that. That's why you need to marry a Christian. You'd be in trouble if you don't marry one. You're to submit to your husband. He's the one where the, he's, he's where the buck stops. But he's a fool if he does not take him into consideration when he's making decisions. He's a fool. You may hear that, men? You ought to consult with your wife about everything you're doing to do, small and great. God gave them a great mind. He gave them intuition. So submission simply means you recognize our rank under. It's a rank. It's not having anything of worth. Men are not better than women at all. Nothing. But you're ranking under. You're recognizing this is God's order. So sisters, the next time that you're, and your husband's not perfect, he'll make some mistakes. But you still submit to him because you want to be obedient to God Almighty. He may make some mistakes. He may have to learn the hard way. But you're to support him. Now, never do anything ungodly. You don't do that. If I ask my wife to do something bad that's unscriptural, she can't do it. She can be submissive to me in her attitude, but she's not going to follow me in disobedience. There's no limit on this thing. But it's still real, and the world hates this. Feminists hate this. They hate it with a passion. They hate it. They really do. One thing that's called our culture so much trouble is the feminism, mystique. By the, those feminists, brother, they sold women a bill of goods. You know, some of them are realizing it now. You remember Betty Friedan wrote the feminine mystique? Don't submit to some old husband, that patriarchy, that oppression. Oppression. It's not oppression. It's freedom. It's oppression. Don't get married. Make your own living. Do you know what we got run around today? A bunch of old ladies. Who never got married, but they put a big, had a great big career. And they had a lot of money. Now they're not fulfilled. And they said, Betty Friedan, you sold us a bill of goods. It is a bill of goods. My friend, women find their fulfillment when they're doing what God called them to do. My wife's a happy woman most of the time. You, most of you sisters are. You're fulfilled. It's not wrong to be a career woman, maybe in some situations, but my friend, most, most women in that situation, they may have a big bucks. They may have all the amenities of life, so-called finer things of life, but they're not really the finer things at all, but they're not fulfilled, they're not happy. If you want to be happy, you have to be happy the way God wants you to be happy. That's what makes you give you total satisfaction. How do you want to feel in your deathbed? I made a three or four hundred thousand a year. But I'm miserable right now, or I try to be obedient to God Almighty, and I've got some satisfaction, I please Him. And He said, Well done, my good and my faithful handmaiden. That's what I hope you'll do. Let's read now Colossians. So why submit yourselves to your own husband as it fit in the Lord? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Every time I read that, I step on my toes. I've got a hot temper, and you know it. Judy knows it. And I don't like it. And you husbands probably do too, most of you. Because that wouldn't be in the Bible if it weren't uh, besetting sin. Husbands, love your wife. Be not bitter. That means cutting, harsh with them. Don't be that way. And I want to tell you this. I'm, I'm glad to say this. My kids are here to witness this a lot of them are, So that I can say it openly and not be lying to you. I've, I've got a hot temper. I, I, I've got a, sometimes, even this very day, my, hot, my wife hits my hot button sometimes. I don't want to do that. I want to do right. God knows I want to do right. I've even had cards in my pocket of stuff I've written about being nice to your wife and memorizing it in the same day. Blow, maybe, I mean, I intended to be good all day long. And then, lo and behold, she hit my hot button. 
and I fly off the handle. Wait a minute, Sam Hill. What am I doing here? But here's what I did do. And you do you daddy do this too. Okay? I get mad at Judy, say something inappropriate to her. Oh, I think when I'm when I'm mad, I think I'm the smartest guy in the world. You guys that way? I'm a genius. I'd be the lawyer. I can I can outdo anybody when I get mad. But the instant the anger leaves me, what a fool I've been. What an idiot. What a fool I've been. How ungodly. So what I did oftentimes, I called my wife into the living room and said, kids, come in here. I apologize to my wife in front of those kids and apologize to my kids. And you know what? They're, they need that because they're going to make some mistakes too. They won't be perfect either. Kids, don't get self-righteous about your parents. You think they make some mistakes. Don't get too bitter against them. You'd be, probably do worse than they did when you get in that situation. So don't get on your high horse. If they make some mistakes, say, well, I've got a great mom and daddy. I'm glad I got them. They're sinners, but thank God they're safe sinners. And they're trying to do the best they can. All right. Children, obey your parents in all things. This is well, well pleasing to the Lord. You hear that, teenage boys? Well pleasing to the Lord. I won't take time to do this, but you'll be amazed at some of the context being disobedient to parents is in the Bible. And Romans 1 is in a, a context of terrible sin. It's not funny to be disobedient to parents. We have some of these sitcoms where kids, you know, the delightful little kid who thumbs his nose at his parents, talks about them behind their back. That's ungodly, big time ungodly. My friend, you need to honor, not only obey your parents, you honor your parents. That's from the heart. From the heart, ask God, help me honor my mom and daddy. One of the Ten Commandments says that, doesn't it? Only Ten Commandments. One of them is honor thy father and mother. Respect them. All right, now, let's go to Ephesians. i got three places, and I won't take a long time to go say the same thing in different ways. paul got some parallel passages in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read that, and I'll go down to 6. Let's see here. All right. This is wonderful stuff. Let's start at verse 21. I'll read 21 through the end of it in the first four verses of Ephesians 6. And this is a parallel passage what I read in Colossians. Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, add unto the Lord. Add unto the Lord. Submit, you're submitting to your husband. I won't preach a sermon like that I could, and you'll feel better about it. I'm trying to tell you what it really means. It's for your own sake. You think God's a sadist? He trying to make you women miserable? No, of course not. He's protecting you. For the husband is the head of the wife. Either Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ. Let the wife be their own husband. I love that word, own husbands. Every time it's mentioned, it's own husbands. Some of these patriarch guys think every wife got to obey every man. Some of these churches, I'd hate to be in a church like that. All the women submissive to all the men. That's a bunch of bull. Listen, that's not true. Your own husband. I'm not lord over your wives, boys, gentlemen. You're the head over them. I'm not the head. If I want to talk to them about something, I'm going to come through you. I can't usurp your authority. That's not right. That's not biblical. I don't care what the patriarchs say. I'm not some big lord over God's heritage. Your own husbands. Every time you look it up. Therefore, that the church is subject unto Christ, 
Let the wife be their own husband and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Boy, that's a big bill, isn't it? Let's love Christ, the church, our wives, as much as we can, like the Lord Christ loved the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it, washing a water by the word. The implication is, the implication is we're helping our wives grow. Jesus Christ said he has sanctified the church by the washing of the word. So we men ought to be helping our wives out spiritually. Sometimes men are this way. You know, women, for some reason, seem to be more spiritual minded than men. That's really not the truth, but they seem to be that way. I think most of you men would agree with that. Something women, I don't know if it's something about women, good women. So we husband can get intimidated. Well, my wife knows about it better than I do. That had nothing to do with it. She's a, she's a woman. You're a man. You're her head. You, you help her grow. She may know maybe the letter of the law better than you do, but brother, you start praying to God, he give you with him, you lead that wife. She'll go astray if you don't help lead her. You sanctify, cleanse her, the washing of water by the word. Do it kindly. Do it in a good way. Don't lord it over her. Have devotions with her, just you and her. Read that. You and I start reading some stuff together now. I've been kind of negligent about that sometimes. Old preachers always study to preach, but sometimes I don't take care of my own family. But I got me a book this last week that made me a little notebook said, Zach and Judy Devotionals. And I think she's enjoying it. The first thing I put in there, a little pink on uh, Hebrews 13, 5, about being covetous, but I think she's enjoying it. It's a, one of the best things I've ever read on being covetous and being content, not being covetous. We're also going to read John Flavel's Keeping the Heart. And so I think she'll, if she don't like that, we'll do something else. But I want to have something with my wife. I can remember, my friend, we have studied the Word of God together. That he may present himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy without blemish. Brethren, how about throughout men to love their wives of their own bodies? He, loves, he, loved, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh. But nourisheth and cherisheth it in the Lord of the church. And we do take care of ourselves, don't we? <laughs> we try to take care of ourselves. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. This cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So we are, we're, we're, we're portraying that in our marriages. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, why she should reverence her husband. That don't mean she worshiping her husband. just means she respects her husband. In fact, there's one marriage seminar called Love and Obey. And it says the whole thing. Love, husband loving wives, wives obeying their husbands. It's a great marriage seminar. All right, I'm going to be through here in a minute. All right, let me, let me uh, okay, look here. I'm going to just give you some practical stuff that I thought about in this sermon, and I'll be through. Girls, I'll talk to you girls today, you unmarried women, young women and girls, okay? Girls, strive to come Proverbs 31 women. Read Proverbs 31, verse 10, to the end of the chapter. Say, I want to be that kind of woman. They're rare. They've always been rare. The, my friend, this a virtuous woman it's far, her price is far above rubies, and my wife is one of them, and your wives are also. Let's recognize, my friend, you girls become those kind of women. Don't listen to what the world's saying about it. If you go to college, I guarantee you, you get the wrong idea. I promise you, you will. Almost all intellectuals today are against the family. 
Almost all of them are. They got very subtle and clever ways of trying to tear the family down. They put bad ideas in your head. They see you being put down. You're not being fulfilled. All kinds of junk you'll be getting. You precious girl, I ask you, start studying now. Become Proverbs 31 women. Boys, you work to keep pure, responsible adults and worthy of a godly wife. We live in, there are lots of people writing about this. Ben Sass did. He used to be the senator of Nebraska. Wrote a book about, he was a college head, young college uh, president. He was amazed at the immaturity of the men. Do you know there are a lot more women in college today than there are men? Men, there's kind of a battle, there's a war against men, especially Christian men. They try to make it unattractive for a man. And they're more women professors. They're, 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 it's amazing. Men are kind of just giving up. Don't give up. Be a man, for God's sake. Be a man, like I'd have been preaching about. Man, biblical manhood. Be responsible. Have some guts. Have some grit. But let it be Bible grit. We need that. The world needs, in fact, one lady, these feminists, where, she, where have all the good men gone? I'm not, I don't like her much because she's not a Christian and, and she writes from a different viewpoint, but she got a pretty good point. Where have all the good men gone? You be a good man. You be a godly man. And God leads you, my friend, probably to a good wife. Become mature. It's amazing what men used to be in the old days. I know you're not John Quincy Adams, and I'm not either. You know that little rascal, John Quincy Adams, was an ambassador to a foreign country before he was 20 years old? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to set the standard quite that high. My friend, there are times in the past when they had the farms and they'd get some kid loose on a, a yoke of oxen when he may be eight or nine years old. He was responsible. We can grow up and do things. And you, Daddy, are doing a pretty good job, I think you are, trying to train your boys to grow up, learn how to work hard, and be honest. Now, let me tell you some enemies, and then I'm going to be through. But remember what I told you in the beginning, the topic of my sermon is the devil's bullseye on the his target is the family. That's the truth. All of us who have good families, let them be better. Listen, we're Christians at Grace Chapel. We believe in God Almighty. We believe in a good family. But you know what? We've got to work at our family. We can't let it just slide by. It's a, so sad to me to see, in our country even, many older people who have been married for years and years get a divorce. It's astounding. 30 or 40 years get a divorce. Don't do that. Let's start strong, my friend. Let's finish strong. We'll have ups and downs. We'll have bumps in the road. We can overcome all those. With that, by the grace of God Almighty. You know, one time Herbert and I went on a trip to India. We left in his, his I think his uh, anniversary is August the 9th, I think. Mine's August the 23rd. So we, we left India on, for India on his anniversary day, come home on my anniversary day. So we're obviously real nostalgic about our wives and families. We're in Madras in the airport, staying in line talking about our families. A couple guys from Singapore were in line before us. They heard us talking. They turned around astonished. How long have you been married? We told them how long they could not believe Americans had been married that long. They're astonished. That's the kind of reputation our culture has got. My friend, we, I tell you what, God Almighty says, we must be faithful till each other until death do us part. 
But God had joined together, let not man put us under. That's Bible, folks. All right, let's read about some enemies. And there's a lot more like a thing. Many contemporary enemies, Marxism, socialism. Socialism, Marxism, socialism. I'll read you something about Karl Marx in a minute on that. That's the thing I'll do the last. But we have a culture, my friend, that's saturated with Marxist socialistic ideology and it's anti-family. Feminism. Feminism. Now, femininity is great. That means a woman's a woman, but feminism is not great. It's a philosophy, an ungodly philosophy, that women don't want to be the kind of women that God wants them to be. Materialism. And hedonism. Hedonism means a love of pleasure. And so we got a lot of people who are making good livings, got a lot of disposable income, a lot of men are. But it's like the, the, the book Playboy is a horrible magazine, but the title tells it all. God did not put us here to be a Playboy. He was here to be a responsible citizen. Sexual immorality. And that's so bad today, it just blows our minds, does it not? It blows our minds. Let me tell you how fast our culture has changed, okay? Many years ago, I was over in Arkansas, and we were seeing Judy's grandmama and granddaddy, Oscar and Voidy, and Uncle Ben Ewing uh, was there. And Uncle Ben had an insurance route. They called it a debit in those days. My daddy used to have one a long time ago. They probably don't have them anymore. You, the people get really small insurance policies, and then you go around and collect on those policies. The, the agent does from time to time. So I went with Uncle Ben on his debit right there in western Arkansas, right there around Subiaco. And my friend, if we go to these different places, Uncle Ben say, now this couple here is just shacked up. They're not married. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be joking I couldn't believe it. I wasn't naive. This is the way it was back in those days. I'm only 82 years old. That's how fast the culture changed. Another, they're, they're living together without being married. Now people are shocked if we are married. Sexual immorality. Divorce. Li- living together. Anti-child culture, including not having children. That's why some people don't even want to have them because it costs too much money and time and abortion. So let me say in closing, well, I'm going to read, read about the best of Mark's deal if I can find it. I don't have to read that. I'm going to tell you about it. Mark's believed in the abolition of the family. He hated it. But you know what he said it was? He said it was a bastion of capitalism. See, socialism is a bad doctrine too. I won't talk about that today. Socialism is out of the pits of hell. It's not the way God wants people to live. But the, they said that marriage is something the bourgeois, which is the upper, the, you know, that's the, the, uh, against the proletariat, the working class. The bourgeois, it's a bourgeois, they don't believe in the Bible, it's a bourgeois development to uphold capitalism. They hate it. So Mark actually wrote about the abolition of the family. Now, my last is this. Biblical homes are a powerful witness in our society. So my friends, we can win this battle, we win win this battle. And we, uh, and, and again, I'm glad to put that on my heart about the church. We're a family. We're not, we're not the nuclear family, husband and wife. That's mainly what I talked about. I want you to know every member of Red Chapel is a welcome member of the family. Let's treat each other like family members. Welcome to the family. 